Hi, this is Brennan from the Ghost Story Guys. Prevailing podcast wisdom says that you should record five episodes and then release the fifth so that by the time you go public, you have a solid idea of your format and more or less know what you're doing. We didn't do that. So while we're very proud of the work we've done in these early episodes, it's considerably rougher than what we're doing now. So if you find yourself thinking, what the hell am I listening to? I promise it gets better. Thank you for listening. Now, on with the show. Hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storr, that's Ian Gibbs, and this is a show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. It's Tuesday, January 31st. This is episode one. And we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing well. How are you? I'll be great if that's the last time we have to record that. <laughs> Excellent. As Brennan mentioned, we're here with our first episode of The Ghost Story Guys. And uh, we are both authors, actually, uh, both who, who have written paranormal books. Mine's better. <laughs> yeah, mine's longer. And uh, we have an interest in the paranormal. On the show, we're hoping to look at well-known phenomena, our own personal experiences, and eventually, as well, those of our listeners. Especially the good-looking ones. We believe in the paranormal, but we don't believe everything. Through Ghost Story Guys, we want to share a few stories, have a few laughs, and learn a little bit more about the world around us. Before we get started on our, our very first topic, I'd like to take a minute to thank my great friend Peter of Podzantum Music, which I'm probably mispronouncing because he's Russian and who knows how they pronounce things, but he composed that excellent intro and outro for us. Excellent. The song is called Radio, and you can find him online at SoundCloud at Podzontum Music, P-O-D-Z-O-N-T-O-M-M-U-S-I-K. While we're plugging things, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention mine and Ian's books. Mine is A Strange Little Place, The Hauntings and Unexplained Events of One Small Town, available from Llewellyn Worldwide on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere else fine books are sold. If you go to your local bookstore and they don't have it, set a small fire in the paranormal aisle and tell them <laughs> that you refuse to put it out until they bring my book in. Good plan. I thought so. Ian's book is called Victoria's Most Haunted. It'll be out on April 21st this year from Touchwood Publications and will again be available anywhere fine books are sold and probably dumpsters. For our first episode, we're going to talk about Slenderman. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Slenderman is essentially a modern urban myth. The character originated on the website Something Awful in June 2009 during a contest where users competed to create the best fake paranormal images, accompanying them with stories. Uh, user Victor Surge, real name Eric Knudsen, created this image, uh, black and white, with a number of children uh, marching out from what looked like woods, with uh, a tall, slender figure wearing a suit in the background. He called the creation Slenderman, and really it, it took off from there. If you follow the thread of creation on the Something Awful forum from the time, it's fascinating to see how quickly other users abandoned what they were working on, and really just wanted to focus on Slenderman. From there, the creature really caught the popular imagination, became the star of countless terrible YouTube videos, <laughs> DeviantArt accounts, uh, really just took on a, a life of its own, particularly on the website Creepypasta, which is sort of like a, 
an online repository of scary fiction that pretty much anyone can contribute to. And judging from the general quality of it, pretty much anyone does. <laughs> the stories on Creepypasta expanded on what had been established about Slenderman's history in the Something Awful forum. That he had tentacles which would come out of his back. That he would take children away. Sometimes to a better place, oftentimes to a worse one. That he would cause nausea in those who saw him. That he would stalk people in real life and in their dreams. And it was on Creepypasta that both Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser, 13-year-old girls from Wisconsin, would find the character and arguably cement his place in pop culture. Watching the HBO documentary, uh, Beware the Slender Man, really summed up the case nicely. Um, the Slender Man stabbing occurred on Saturday, May 31st, 2014, in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Two 12-year-old girls allegedly lured another girl of the same age into the woods and stabbed her 19 times, purportedly in order to impress the fictional character, Slender Man. After being stabbed, the victim crawled to a road and lay on a sidewalk where a cyclist found her and called 911. She was rushed to a hospital, at which point she was one millimeter away from certain death. The victim was hospitalized for six days and has since recovered and returned to school. The two young ladies involved in the case, however, Morgan and Anissa, uh, are now on trial and they're being tried as adults simply because they believed that by killing their friend Peyton, they would cement their favor with Slenderman. And, and just to clear that up, this is exactly what they thought was happening. It, it's been discovered that Morgan Geyser suffers from schizophrenia, uh, as well as her father. It, it, it runs in the family. And so she hallucinates mm, constantly. Yeah. And it was, it, wasn't, it was undiagnosed at the time of the crime. So she truly believed that her and her friend Anissa were going to become uh, proxies of Slenderman. Familiars, I guess, if yeah. you kill someone in Slender Man's world, you get to go live in his Slender Mansion. In the middle of the forest in Wisconsin. Uh, that's, that's And that's the it. Yeah, the, the girls were found on their way to the Nicolette National Forest after they had done the done the deed, uh, which was, as I understand, was hundreds of miles away. Yeah, there was yeah. no way. Four or five hour car ride. No way they could have walked there, but this is how disconnected from reality these girls are. And, and really, that's the most disturbing part of this, uh, you know, of all the violence and all, all the brutality, is that these are two teenage girls who were disturbed. Or, or one of them was disturbed and the other was easily led. And both believed it was real because Geyser hallucinated that it was real. Well, and, and yeah, and Geyser also believed that if they didn't do this killing by proxy, not only would they not get rewarded, but he would come after their families, he would kill them. And that was part of the kind of the axe she wielded, psychologically speaking, um, over Anissa in convincing her that this had to be done, that they had to do this. There wasn't a choice in the matter. And it, it's worth noting that now, or rather I should say now, uh, Geyser is undergoing um, medical treatment. Uh, following her, her incarceration, she was still actively hallucinating. She was untreated. Yeah. Her mother notes in the documentary that she didn't know what she would be watching on television in prison that night because... It would depend on whose turn it was to pick the channel. The problem being that she was in a cell all by herself. So th this is an indication of how sick this young lady is. And in, in, of course, true American justice style, she is she is being tried as an adult. Because the judge, who looked like Foghorn Leghorn with <laughs> atherosclerosis, proclaimed that, well, they're, they're getting older every day. Which, if I'm not mistaken, is how aging works. I've noticed that in kids. Uh, yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah. I've noticed it myself, too. In all seriousness, the idea of trying a teenager who's been diagnosed with a serious mental illness for a crime is, or, or at least as an adult, is total insanity. 
maybe put her in a hospital where she can yeah. be, you know, properly treated and, and maybe rehabilitated. That makes sense. Absolutely. But but throwing her in a in a hole and then covering it over it accomplishes nothing and ensures that her life will be a living hell mm-hmm. for what will probably be a very long time to come. It's, it's not like she's going to die anytime soon no. unless she punches her own ticket, God forbid. Yeah. Now, of course, stepping away from the case itself, and we're left with a, a phenomenon that's, that's really, I think, quite unique. I mean, I, I don't know of anything I've read about recently that has had such a, such a surge in, in popularity, especially when its origin is known. You know, I mean, there are, there are things that we, we talk about. Like you the know. boogeyman and, and that sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The boogeyman, black-eyed children. Right. But but we, at least in a lot of those cases, we don't really have a genesis for them. They're, right. They are they're urban legends. Right. And we don't know where the hell they come from. Right. But in the case of Slenderman, as we've discussed, this is a character specifically created in a contest. Right. You know, this is, this is something where we can verifiably go back and say, this isn't an old Bavarian legend. Right. This isn't... Uh, a tale told by by grandma, so you shut the hell up. Right. Uh, this this is just a, a really a, a joke. But don't you think that part of it, because it has the power of the internet behind it, and it has a genesis on the internet, that there's a whole other generation kind of taking a hold of this and running with it and breathing more life into it, um, far bigger than any of the old stories that were passed on, you know, from parent to child and on. I, I guess I, I have a hard time getting behind, though, the idea that we can entertain the reality of something like this. Oh, no, I agree with you completely on that. Um, but then what were the old stories for in terms of the bogeyman? It was listen to your parents, be good, stay out of the forest, stay away from the water, right? Um, so those had a purpose. But this, as you say, was simply created for a contest. And it's just turned into something completely different. And, I mean, there are people who, who believe it's real. Yeah, I mean, oh, for sure. Of course, uh, the last over the last week, we've both been reading the book uh, Slenderman by Robin Swope. Right. Which is um, not great. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's not great, but explores the idea that Slenderman is perhaps some kind of real creation. Right, and it's mostly filled with um, people's quote-unquote testimonials about their own encounters with Slenderman, who, by reading them, truly believe they've encountered something significant and that he is pursuing them and coming after them and all the rest of it. This is not, in their minds, something made up. This is real. Uh, I, absolutely. However, I'd also like to point out that Donald Trump is president. <laughs> so I don't think that we can necessarily trust the reality. What is real? Yeah, oh, Christ. Yeah, no, I, I wish it wasn't real. But I'll probably cut that out. Don't polarize the people. Don't polarize them. No. Like, Trump supporters can't even spell polarized. <laughs> What's this got to do with Antarctica? <laughs> I guess, no, no, sorry, that, that's the world's front butt. <laughs> Where the penguins aren't. That's right. Mm. It's a really shitty children's book. <laughs> Where the penguins aren't. It's, it's a lot of white. Really. That's it's, about it. It's like Wisconsin. Yeah, black lines and white. Bringing yeah. us back. <laughs> Again, I, I don't think that I, I have absolutely no... I, I, I've seen shadow people, for example. I've had right. paranormal experiences. I, I don't know what they are, but I've had them. Mm-hmm. I do not for a second think that Slender Man is real. Right. Uh, the only thing I would entertain, and you and I talked about this a bit. Um, actually, before we get to that, I'd like to focus on the Tulpa theory, which I believe Swope addresses in, in his book. Yes. Which is that Slender Man is a Tulpa, a kind of Tibetan thought form. Right. And that if you are able to uh, focus yourself and quiet your soul and, and all the rest of it, you can actually create something with energy or something with reality. 
right? Right, which I think is total nonsense. <laughs> I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but if collective will could create something from nothing, the streets, we'd be drowning in sparkly vampires. Right. And Jizai. Yeah, On exactly. unicorns holding glittery ak forty seven. That would be amazing, by the way. Except then they all say we're right. Yeah. You know, then yeah, then yeah. Pat Robinson would be right and, and none of us want that. <laughs> So I, I don't really, I think the Tulpa theory is nonsense. I've heard, though I can't verify this, I, I don't know where they found the information, but what I read was that the very idea of Tulpa is actually a mistranslation of some old texts. Correct. Because, of course, the general idea was that monks thought some things into being, yeah. and I have read that this is actually a misunderstanding of the text itself, and it's just become a, a sort of a go-to theory for researchers too lazy to envision something yeah, they, more complex. They, it's like in Scooby-Doo, the meddling kids. It's just <laughs> always the old park owner who does it. That, yeah, it's the Tulpa. The, uh, the other theory that he had presented was that Slenderman is the embodiment of all those old cautionary tales about not going in the woods and the like. Um, and he's sort of a repackaging or a new Coke of, uh, of Boogeyman. And, you know, that certainly has some credence that perhaps this is a new generation's uh, uh, spin on, on on what was a cautionary tale. And the last theory he put forward was that everyone is just crazy and, you know, it's all in your imagination. Just yeah. fine, right? And, and, and that tends to be, again, that tends to be what I think. Uh, by and large, I think people are just making shit up. Right. Uh, you know, again, um, people tell stories. People want to, they want to believe because it's a cool idea. The idea of this faceless tall man in a suit. I do have an experience related to that. When I was in grade four, we went on winter camp. And winter camp meant going to this usual summer camp, but in the winter on the edge of a lake. That sounds awful. It was awful. And while we were there, um, one of the kids, much more advanced than myself, started telling us all about fog ghosts and how these ghosts would come in the fog and kill everyone. And this was on the first night. And by the third night... As the fog rolled in off the lake in southern Alberta, um, you had a group of about 40 absolutely terrified children because the adults never said to us, this isn't real. You don't have to worry. They just sort of let it go. And I can remember the increasing fear and tension and, and all the rest of it that got worse and worse and worse over the nights until finally on the last night they had to basically walk us all to our our cabins because we were too terrified to move so i get the psychological side of it and 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 i think that's with the internet where you are supporting each other's beliefs or misbeliefs strengthens your own whatever you choose to believe right right that's why groups group together and so i i was thinking about that with these girls who were you know grade six um and if they found each other and began supporting their own each other's delusions it's it can become very real very fast. I mean that's that's very true. You, you were talking earlier about the case of the UK crime writer Anne Perry. Right. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, Anne Perry uh, w- ended up with a friend named Pauline Pauline Parker, and uh, the two of them were very close. Uh, they had a shared history of childhood illnesses, 
of being uh, oftentimes isolated. And so when they got together, they bonded pretty pretty hardcore. Um, and they, just to jump in, this is uh, this was in New Zealand, pardon me, Christchurch, New Zealand in 1954. 19... Right. Yeah, and um, they ended up where. Uh, they were creating poems and 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 making little clay figures all about this imaginary land where the two of them would be free to uh, be together and create and all the rest of it. Lesbiana. <laughs> well, we'll be cutting that out. And uh, when they ended up, uh, they ended up with both of their parents saying, "We don't want you guys together. You're too intense together, and we're concerned for both of you." And uh, the girls believed that if they didn't. Uh, kill off basically Pauline's mother, poor Mrs. Parker, um, that uh, they would be separated and they wouldn't be able to dwell in their magical land. They believed this wholeheartedly, so much so that they invited Mrs. Parker out for a picnic and then quickly and efficiently bludgeoned her to death with half a brick in the end of a stocking. So not really the happy ending of a family outing that you would expect. I, I don't know. I can think of a few people in my family who I'd like to take for that picnic, but <laughs> regardless. <laughs> but yeah, so this isn't unusual that um, you find younger people uh, getting themselves to a point where killing someone appears quite reasonable. Right. And I guess if you've got the internet, it's that much easier to form a hive mind. Exactly. So, I mean, it's suggested in the film in Beware the Slender Man that if the girls had a larger friend group, yes. someone probably would have called them on it. One of the psychologists said that if they had been in a group of, say, eight tight-knit friends, this never would have happened because there would have been enough kind of watering down of this belief system that the girls would have been able to get a better perspective on it. But it didn't happen, unfortunately. They only had each other. And, and I wonder if uh, if you've got people on the, a group of people on the internet, you're not going to have that, the people to weed, uh, to sort of call you on that, to weed that out. Because the internet seems to allow people to find other people of a similar mindset. Absolutely. So, if, you, if you find the basis nature of someone, you will find a group of people who will support that kind of thing. We talked about how it's the kind of person who sees someone standing on top of a building. There's always someone in the crowd going, yeah, do it, jump. Right, right. And, and in the same way, the internet, unfortunately, you don't just have one guy in the crowd. You get a whole crowd of those people, you know, egging you on and encouraging that kind of behavior. So, right. And if you've got a group of people saying, hey, I saw the Slender Man, you're going to find a bunch of other people who are suggestible enough that they'll see the Slender Man too. Right. 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 Regardless of what they see. The, the one... The one note I'm willing to concede, the one possible consideration of reality, I think, is the idea, and I, I don't even know if this is mentioned in the book, uh, possibly because it's it makes some kind of sense, but the idea that, that Slenderman is so, the idea of Slenderman is so powerful, is so mimetic, because it exists already, mm -hmm. that it is, it's something that has always existed, but for which we have not had a concept. And so it exists outside of what you would call our world. Right. And then in order for it to have weight here, it needed to be created here. Which sort of ties in with um, the popular ethos around demons. And when they're going to do like an exorcism, you have to learn the demon's name because then you can control it. Right. So actually that does tie in very well with that. It's, it's almost like we don't know its name. Right. But it's waiting to come through. Right. And it, except in this case, I'm thinking uh, because it's just, it doesn't have an awareness of it. Correct. It yeah. can't operate right. here. And right. so 
somewhere off in the ether, there is not an actual Slenderman, because that's stupid, but there is some kind of creature that in some ways bears a similarity to the way it is, Slenderman is depicted. Right. And so in, it saw the opportunity during this contest in the, in the collective unconscious, it saw this opening. And so it inserted the seeds of itself, which then were interpreted by Eric Knudsen to produce the, 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 the creature he did. It's an interesting idea. I, I, again, I don't know that I believe it, but I, I, it's sort of the kind of idea I like to bandy around. Um, something it makes me think of, or something that makes me think of this, is the fact that Slenderman was created in 2009. Prior to the creation of Slenderman, there was a character called, I believe, the Tollman, in a series of games by a fellow whose name escapes me, but they were very, very simple online games, uh, adventure games. Right. Uh, I believe the the series was the Kacho Mythos, or Kacho, I don't know. It, it's very hard to pronounce. Yeah. But... Um, Especially for you. It, oh, it's true, so true. <laughs> but the the creature looks in, in those games, the the I, I, the, the, the you know, sort of the nemesis, uh, Tallman, looks very much like Slenderman. But uh, when asked about this at the time, Serge said he was unaware of these games. Okay. Now, of course, it's possible he was lying because he wanted to pretend as though he'd originated the concept. Right. But it's equally possible that this was an earlier, less successful attempt for this thing to try and birth itself. And and I, I remember in the documentary, um, I think it was Richard Dawkins said uh, that uh, this sort of thing is like a, a mind virus. And that if you get something that is uh, easy enough to to cross over, it, it, it travels vertically or uh, through people's minds in, in terms of everyone picking up on it around the same time. And then because they do connect to it, they want to contribute to it. And that was where a lot of the things about Slender Man were, you know, all of a sudden he had multiple arms that could grab you and, and, and these different things um, came from because people rallied around this with poems and art and right. songs. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a little bit crazy. And, and I think Dawkins, I, I mean, not I think, I know, Dawkins was certainly not talking about some kind of extra-dimensional entity no. birthing no, 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 itself. No, no, no. But um, I, I think, you know, it's you can argue that his theory of an idea having certain appealing qualities, which allows it to reproduce much like a, a yeah. physical virus, yeah. you, you could make the case, you could tie this to the idea that what makes that so likely to reproduce is it has a kernel of truth. Right. That, yeah. that again, Correct. this thing on the other side is using it to to sort of come through. And this is um, this is not exactly a new concept. I know um, you haven't seen, but you should, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Right. Which is the last good Freddy Krueger movie. <laughs> and in, in a quick recap of the film, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, and shame on you if you haven't. Sorry. Yes. Uh, in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, it was the seventh Freddy Krueger film. Wes Craven only directed the first and, and the seventh. And the plot is very meta. It involves the idea that the actress who played the main character in the first film is being pursued by an entity which was attracted to the character of Freddy Krueger as depicted in the film she starred in. That it began to live in the films, that the films gave it a kind of power because it suited its its form and shape. And it connected to the popular consciousness. Exactly. Right. It, the, the popular consciousness, the enthusiasm for yeah. Freddy Krueger yeah. allowed it to, to live. And once the films were finished, it was free, so it needed to find more... Uh, more life force, and it right. needed to continue going, and so it started pursuing the actress. Uh, again, the film itself is pretty solid, but I bring it up because of the idea that this this is not exactly a new concept. And uh, again, you always wonder, is this 
or do we revisit this concept because it is because it has that ring of truth or just because it's a good idea? Well, and it's it's an easy one to go to. Right? Also yeah. that, John. Yeah. So looking at the Slender Man, uh, the documentary in particular, um, I, I kind of feel like it was less about Slender Man uh, and more about a sad case of undiagnosed schizophrenia. And realistically, the way, uh, specifically the one girl um, was was going, uh, something bad was going to happen. And Slender Man was sort of the hook they put the hat on for that. Uh, if it hadn't been Slender Man, it probably would have been something else. It's just a very sad case all the way around. Fair enough. No, I, and I, I, I tend to believe much the same. Again, I think the idea of Slender Man as a real entity is, is stupid. Um, <laughs> it makes me sad that I even have to say it. Yeah. And I, I genuinely hope that somehow the court reconsiders its decision to try them as adults. I agree. Because, I mean, it's, it's just goddamn bad. Yeah. They're just two young girls, one with a mental illness, one who's easily led, who ended up making poor choices. But are they a threat to society or master criminals? No, I don't believe they are. No, I mean, the greatest threat to society is in the White House right now. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to do it for us here on our first episode. I don't think we want to belabor the point. I think we've covered everything we need to. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, so moving on, uh, let's uh, briefly just plug the plug the social media. Yeah, we've got uh, – we've, we're on Twitter. It's Ghost Story Guys. You can follow us there um, as well as our fan page on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you there as well. And if you want to email us, if you have your own stories or, or your own things you'd like to – uh, hear us talk about um, you can email us at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com eventually once Ian gets the lid out we'll also have ghoststoryguys.com but in the meantime you can reach us <laughs> on our social media again that's going to do it for us folks thank you so much for downloading please feel free to uh, send in your comments uh, nude pictures um, <laughs> Ian's shaking his head okay so just send your comments we'll be back in two weeks with another episode Till then, take care of yourselves, be good to one another, and remember, ghost hunting is just running around in the dark. Bye, everybody. Bye.